0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC Podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and miniseries. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC Podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Good morning. morning. It's a joy joy to be with you this morning. The Lord is so gracious. You just look at the weather outside, it's like, wow, as Pittsburghers, where did that come from? (laughs) It's almost May, and we're rejoicing in one day of great weather. But the Lord is faithful. It's such a joy to bring... The word of God to you this morning. I'm grateful for the opportunity and we'll start by looking at some scriptures from the book of Numbers, Luke, uh, Luke, in the book of John. We will start with the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord and when he heard them his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabra, meaning burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. Then the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything to eat but this manna. Moving on to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Finally, in John 21, verses one through eight. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, hey, friends, haven't you got any fish? No, the answered. he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard this, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful for this morning. We're grateful for this opportunity, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts, calm our souls, We are all dealing with various issues and problems of life, illnesses, sickness, death. But you, Lord, call us to stillness and peace. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts are still before you this morning. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to what you want to show us. I pray this all in the mighty name of Christ our Lord. Amen. So last Saturday, Eileen and I went to a Seder meal. And a Seder meal is a Passover meal, kind of like the Last Supper. And it was put on by two Messianic congregations in the Pittsburgh area. It was in Monroeville. We went out and we celebrated. Every year, Jews celebrate the Seder. Just like we have the Easter, the Jews celebrate the Seder. Why do they do this? Because the Lord had commanded them, you guys are leaving Egypt. You are leaving a house of slavery. You need to remember this for all generations. This is not a one-time event. Every soul, every Jewish soul needs to know where we came from only by knowing our history we then have a future. So the Passover Seder meal is like a Thanksgiving where we sit around, family sit around and talk about what God had done for us in the past. There are really three commandments that the Jews are given on the Passover Seder. The first is to tell the story. That's the key. Remember the story, tell the story. The next is to eat the matzah so that we can identify with the Jews and what they ate, the, the thin crackers, the unleavened bread, And the next is the the maror, or the bitter herbs. So that we eat the horseradish and and we have a sense for the bitterness that they had. Those are the three requirements. Tell the story, eat the matzah, taste the bitter herbs. And it's a beautiful idea. You know, my my parents are survivors of the Holocaust. And you know that out of the Holocaust, the idea was never again. That the Jewish mantra coming out of that evil event was this will never happen to humanity again. And, and they had given their kids the same idea to tell the story so that every generation would know what happened in the past so we don't screw it up and do it again in the future. But we humans are a mess. I mean, there are still genocides happening. Just look around the world. You don't have to look too far or you look to Ukraine. There are genocides that are happening in this world today. That's just the reality. We can't learn from the past. And that's the problem that we have. What's ironic to me is the Jews had just been freed from Egypt, a place of slavery. They're in the desert for a year. And what do they come up with? They say, the scripture I read, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the wonderful fish we ate in Egypt. It cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. It was fabulous. But now, here in the desert, we don't have any appetite. All we ever see is this crazy manna to eat. God was mad. They basically said we'd rather go back to our comfort in Egypt where we were slaves than be on an adventure with God in this gr- crazy desert. That's who we are as humans. It's easier to go back to what I know than to face forward to the unknown. That's just who we are. And the Lord calls us not to live that way. But we see in the story of Peter... The same thing happens. First, we'll talk about the first story of Peter where he is called as a disciple. So we know that Peter was a professional fisherman. That was his call. That was his job. That's how he provided for his family. And one day, Peter went out on the lake and caught zero. He was upset. I spent hours, and I got nothing to show for it. Peter goes in, and the Lord says to him, hey, man, Why don't you go out again, throw your net out, see what happens. And Peter's thinking to himself, who's this crazy guy? He doesn't know nothing about fish. I'm the fisherman. Who's this guy telling me how to fish? But somehow Peter thought, I'll pay attention. I'll do what this guy says. And Peter does it, and he gets an abundance of fish. And you know the story, Peter falls down on the shore on his knees saying, I am undone. I'm a mess. You are indeed the Messiah, the one that we Jews have been waiting for. Peter would never be the same, never be the same. But this same Peter faced the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Carolyn on Easter talked about the resurrection, the restoration, Christ coming out of the grave. But here we see a couple of days after the resurrection, Jesus had met with the disciples. A bunch of disciples are up in the galley waiting around No game plan, no Lord. And Peter says, you know what, guys? I'm going back to my comfort zone. I'm going back fishing. I don't care what this stuff's about, but I'm going back there because I know how I can provide for my family. I don't know how this Jesus thing is going to work out. See ya. And it's so crazy that six of the other guys joined him. So he wasn't alone in his frustration. Most of the disciples were frustrated along with him. Just like the Israelites. Here was Peter who was faced with an opportunity to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's like, I'm going back fishing. Just like the Israelites saying it's easier to go back to being a slave and knowing where their next meal is coming from as opposed to living here in this harsh desert. We see, though, and we read this story, that they did go fishing that day and they caught an abundance of fish. They caught nothing. The Lord shows up. They catch An amazing amount of fish. And Peter must have thought, this is just like the original story. The same thing happened over again and again. Peter was reinvigorated in his faith. And then the Lord comes alongside of Peter and says to him, I need you to be a, a shepherd for these people. Not only the disciples, but the church. I need you to be the leader of this church going forward. Peter was transformed yet again. He was not the same guy that said, I want to go fishing. He saw and experienced the Lord and said, I am all in. And we see that Peter and John are the heads of the church as we go into the book of Acts. That's the story. That's chapter 21 of John. But what I want to focus on today is risk. I want to focus on comfort. I wanna focus on the idea that familiarity and comfort can ruin a church, it can ruin our faith. That we are called to live a life of adventure, a life of risk, of doing things for Jesus Christ that are just not comfortable. Talking to that guy over there, I don't know. that. No, we're called to do that. You're talking to a guy who comes from a life of comfort. I was a banker for 40 years. My last interview was in 1987. I started in 1982. In 1987, I had an interview, got that job, and then I had promotions and different steps along the way. God just navigated me through. Mergers, acquisitions, things happened to me, but I would just coast it through. And you can do that in banking. Keep your head down, do a good job, and you can coast through. The Lord does not call us to live our faith life that way. You can pull it off in banking, but you cannot pull that off as a Christian. So, what does that mean? We know the central commandments of our faith love God, love your neighbor. But loving our neighbor is not being nice, hey neighbor, how's it going? That's not love. Love is investing in people, getting to know them, talking to them, hearing their sorrows, hearing their joys, being able to celebrate, being able to cry, entering in others' lives. That's love. Okay, love and happiness are not the same idea, love and kindness. Love is hard. Love means entering in where the languages might be different, where the color of skin might be different where their political views might be different. Talking about illness and divorce, death, just the messy stuff of life. It's so much easier to say, okay, that's a lot of noise. I'm going to my TV, see a world. I have my comfort back here. And the Lord says, no, don't live that way. And the way I deal with this personally is when I wake up, first of all, I say, thank you, Lord, for another day. But the next thing I say is, Lord, I'm available. If you need a guy in the south hills of Pittsburgh to accomplish a task, to meet someone, to do someone, I'm your guy. And I end it by saying, Lord, I want an adventure with you today. I want to have a story by the end of today that when I get home to see Eileen, I have something to share. I saw the Lord work this way today in my life. Most days it works that way. Most days there's a story. If you look for stories, there are stories. You just got to look. But I'm not not here to talk about myself today. But you know I love stories. Because I believe stories are important because it connects the theory of the scripture to the reality of life. We need stories where we can see people who practically live the gospel. I'm gonna start with the blessing board. Yesterday, Eileen and seven guys went to the blessing board And we served. What's the blessing board? Well, my dear friend Don, who is with us this morning, is on the board of the blessing board. And he invited us to get a team together and to work there. The blessing board started out of Hebron Church in Penn Hills 20 years ago or so. They then started a warehouse in the Shaler area. They went and had a third warehouse in McKeesport and just opened a new warehouse in West Mifflin. So we went to the West Mifflin warehouse. And basically, the blessing board is is nothing more than taking used furniture, gently used, and passing it along to someone who has a need. So yesterday, the eight of us showed up. Tony was the first person through the door. I had the opportunity to be an assistant, which meant I got to talk to Tony and hear her story. So here's a woman. I'm guessing Tony is 65, has three grandkids living with her. Has two of her nieces' kids living with her, ranging from 2 to 12. Has a handicapped son living with her. Has two elderly parents living a a block away. And she holds a full-time job at a local hospital. I don't know about you, but you hear that story and it's like, okay, what am I whining about? I mean, here's someone who just is just giving, 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 giving. That's all she does is give to people. And here she came to the blessing board so that we could bless her with furniture. And I love the ministry because the first thing we do is we say, you came here today and it's not an accident. God had led you today to this place to get this furniture. That we want to bless you with furniture. Furniture is not the end. Furniture comes and goes. But we pray that you learn more about our Lord Jesus Christ today and we talk about the gospel, and we say why God is so important in our lives. We then go shopping with a person, and they can go through and they say, okay, I want a twin bed, I want a mattress, I want a box spring, I want a table, blah, 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 and we then have some carriers who go ahead and load up their vehicle. When that's all done, the team of us gather around, in this case, Tony, and we prayed for her, and we just said, Lord. We pray for Tony and her circumstances, and we prayed that the Furniture that she has acquired today blesses her family. Everything is done, bathed in prayer and all about the Lord Jesus Christ. But what's the point? The point is that the eight of us could have sat home yesterday and enjoyed the beautiful day with our family on the porch in the park. And we chose to take the risk of going somewhere we know nothing about and serve. Was it going to be fun? Was it going to be lousy? Who knew? Who knew? But we trusted, we trusted you, Don, <laughs> that we would have a wonderful experience, and we all did. But that was a sense of risk. It's low risk, but that still was a sense of risk. A dear friend of mine, Bill, told me this week that he helped his boss. Bill works at a local pharmacy, and his boss has a handicapped son. And his boss said, Her name's Barb. And Barb said, I just don't have enough time in the day to take care of my job, take care of my son. Life is just a struggle. And Bill said to her, you know, you don't have to go this alone, that there are ministries, there are government agencies, there are ministries that can help you in your struggle. And Barb said, I don't have time to chase this. And Bill said, I'll help you. I will go on the Internet, I'll make some phone calls, and I'll try to see if we can get you some help. Bill went home. A couple of days, compiled a, a list of agencies, of ministries that could help Barb in her mess. Bill came to work a couple days later, presented this material to Barb and was like, Barb, there's hope. And Barb, Barb started crying. She's like, are you kidding me? Who would do this? And, he, and, and Bill said, the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed me. As I have been blessed, I am passing that along to you. Barb was floored that someone would take the time to invest in her life to help her try to take care of her handicapped son. That's risk. It would have been much easier for Bill just to go home, watch TV, and do his own thing, but he took time out of his day to help his boss Barb to change her story so she could be a more effective mom and a more effective boss in the workplace. I applaud Bill for what he's done. That's amazing, right? Again, these aren't high-risk things. These are simple things that we can do in life to help our neighbors and to help others. But you know, this risk thing isn't just for us alone. It's also for the church. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. This is a great church, but we can be a fabulous church. We have the people. We have the resources. We could do crazy stuff for Christ if we put our mind to it. And I think that risk is one of those elements. It takes risk to reach lives outside of this church walls. That we can continue to use the 1960s model of build it and they will come. I'm sorry folks, that's not working in America anymore. Building the church and they will come just doesn't work. We need to go to them and pull them in to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. My final story is the outreach to the Afghan families that Sam and Bindu are doing. A few months ago, Pastor Carolyn stood here and said, "We as a church need someone who will go pour into the lives of the Afghan families who are showing up in Pittsburgh." And I remember watching Sam make a beeline, a beeline for Pastor Carolyn, and he said, "I'm your guy. I'm your guy." Now, you might think, okay, loving on new Afghan families in Pittsburgh, that's pretty easy, cut a couple checks, buy a little food, get a little clothing, we're good. No, actually, this is a lot of work. Sam has a full-time job, Bindu has a job, but yet they carve time out of their lives to go to meet with these families, to bless the families with food, yes, to bless them with Furniture, yes, but to spend time with them and sit with them and say, where are you struggling with America? Can you imagine? We think of this place as the best place on planet Earth. People would be blessed to come to America. Yeah, they are. But coming here not knowing the language, not knowing a soul is really hard. Can you imagine applying for a job because the government only gives them provision in their apartment for three months and then they're on their own. So can you imagine showing up here and after three months you've got to get a job, have enough income to pay for your rent and for your family? This is crazy stuff. It's hard. It's hard to apply for a job if you can't even speak English. And that's where Sam and Bindu and others are able to come alongside these families who are struggling, invest in them, and share the love of Jesus Christ. It's hard work. But there's joy and there's blessing in the hard work. It's easier to be on the sidelines and just watching, but there's no blessing in the watching. The only blessing that happens is as we engage ourselves in what God is calling us to. And I know that Leanne is pulling together a transportation ministry so that we too as a church can help have drivers, if these Afghan families need a ride to the hospital or a ride to pick up a child or a ride to the grocery store, that we can help them. These people don't have cars. They don't have transportation. So we as a church can partner with them to help them in their struggles. This isn't about stories. It's about stories who are prodding our hearts to say we can do more. We can each do more. I'm a retired guy. It's fabulous. But even while I was working, I was still doing ministry. It's possible. We can do it. We just have to carve intentional time aside for the Lord every day. It's possible and it's doable. Even in our busy schedules, we can do it. So what's the point? The Lord wants us to be obedient. It's really about obedience. This isn't optional. This whole thing I'm talking about, comfort, it's not an optional idea. This is an obedience issue. God really wants us to love our neighbors. There is no way in the Christian walk to say, I love God, don't care about my neighbors. That doesn't work. That is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. You can't just say, okay, I love God. I love coming to church for an hour on Sundays and I sing to the Lord and everything is hunky-dory. No, actually, that is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. Christianity means that we love God and we love our neighbors. It's not either or, it's and. My point is this. We cannot love God and not care about our neighbors because that's not following what God has called us to do. At the same time, we cannot effectively love our neighbors and not care about God, because God is the only one who gives us the power, the energy, and the resources to indeed love our neighbors in a Christian way, selfless way. We have a choice. We have a choice to live like Peter lived. When he struggled, when he didn't see a game plan, he said, hey, boys, I'm going fishing. We can live that way. It's not the Christian way, but we can live that way. Or we can live with the approach of, yes, I will be a fisherman, but I will fish for souls. I will fish for the lost. I will be a fisherman of men. This is a broken world that desperately needs the love of Jesus Christ. We as a church have a radical opportunity right now. Community, truth, stability, and hope. That is what we have, we have an ability to reach the world with the truth. A dying world that is lost. And we can do it if we get out of our comfort zone and choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not be fishermen like Peter. I'm going fishing, boys. But let's be fishermen for Christ. Amen? Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.